The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With the next generation GMC Sierra, Canyon, and Sierra Heavy Duty, we couldn't agree more. Whether you choose to have the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate, available only on the next generation GMC Sierra SLT, AT4, and Denali models, to confidently take on heavy loads with the available 6.6-liter V8 Duramax turbo diesel in the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty, or to get behind the wheel of the only mid-size premium pickup on the road, the GMC Canyon, you'll realize all three help you do one thing. Go professional grade. Step up to GMC and get 20% below MSRP on next-generation 2019 GMC Sierra Double Cab and SLE Crew Cab models with a traditional tailgate. We are professional grade. GMC. Offer includes price reduction below MSRP and purchase allowance. Not available with special financing lease and some other offers. Take retail delivery by 9319. See participating dealer for details. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. All right, so sitting in with me here on The Tour Coach now is uh, he's an architect, Hall of Famer, Ryder Cup captain, now added a new title to his name. He's a CBS commentator, Davis Love III. Davis, what's going on? Oh, just uh, like you said, I'm wearing a lot of different hats. Actually, caddying for my son, Drew, in the second stage of Q school this week. So, got a lot going on as usual. Yeah, yeah, you've you've done a pretty good job caddying for Drew. I think, you know, around most of those really good young guys, like Drew's one of those, like, I mean, to me, the difference between like somebody that's there and the guy that's on the tour isn't necessarily doing anything with their golf swing. It's like learning to play and, you know, learning some of the nuances of being out there and just becoming more comfortable to me seems like a big part of the difference between some of the guys that are on their way up through Q school to the corn Ferry tour, all the way to the guys that are, that are, that are playing the tour, you know, at a young age. Right. It's experience. And you've seen it. You've seen players that can hit the golf ball. And they can hit all the chips, and they can make the putts on the putting green. But it's experience. And some of the best advice I ever got as a PGA Tour player was from Vinny Giles, who's my first agent. He was a great amateur player, you know, Walker Cupper, and, you know, won everything as an amateur. He said, it's different when you get a pencil in your pocket, isn't it? And <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. They hand you a scorecard and a pencil, or they hand you a scorecard that says PGA Tour on, on the corner of it and a pencil, and you have to keep score. It's a different ball game. And then when you get inside the ropes, it's even harder. And when you get to the eighth and hole with grandstands around you, it gets even harder. So that experience is hard to get. You know, I think most of the if, – if 10 young tour players, including Drew, walked up to me and said, what do you think I ought to do with my game? I'm going to tell 8 out of 10 to go see Bob Rotella and work on their – for psychology, their pre-shot routine, their discipline, their their management of their thoughts and of their game plan and their strategy. And that's the biggest difference is they can all hit it mm-hmm. um, pretty much. If you get to, you know, qualifying school or Corn Ferry Tour, they can all hit it really good. Some are better than others, but you know, getting the most out of your talent and your game and your swing, that's just experience. No question about it. 
so you've been out there a long time and and one of the one of the things it was cool one of the neater things I've done is you know I I enjoy teaching young players junior players that are coming up and you know brought a small group of them several months ago over there to Sea Island over to Frederica and you know you were still in the boot at that point and you came out and talked to them and these kids were just that they ate it up. Like I could tell them a lot of the same stuff, but they wouldn't listen to it as if you, if you told them, but it was cool because a lot of them came back to me and said, like, they realized they don't need to fix their golf swing. A lot of the things that you told them about getting better were the stuff about like using a golf, you know, a mental coach and how to practice and those types of things. I mean, but everybody to me seems to be in such a hurry to give like they think that every no matter where they go, somebody's going to be able to give them like a one magical piece of information that's going to give you your tour card. And to me, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. No. And I've been around, you know, for, as a little kid around Jack Nicholas, you know, played with Jackie at North Carolina, I was around Jack when I was a college player, came out on tour. And then I literally from from Tiger, the, the first day Tiger Woods set foot on the PGA Tour, I played a practice round with him. Butch Harmon had me play practice rounds with him when he came out. <laughs> one of the first things Tiger told me is, I want to beat you down the stretch one day. And I was like, oh, great, kid. That sounds good. Well, he won his first tournament, beat me in a playoff. So I have seen what the best players that have ever played, Jack and Tiger, what they do, and it's discipline to do the little things over and over and over again that nobody else wants to do. But you look at Brooks Kepka now. I had to tell Brooks Kepka Saturday morning of the 2016 Ryder Cup to not work out. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Drew's the other way. I got to say, hey, Drew, you're not working out enough. <laughs> I'm telling Brooks to take a break, buddy. I want you to be ready <laughs> for Saturday afternoon. You know? And that's the difference. Tiger is having surgery, and then he, I call him, and he's riding his bike 50 miles. I go, hey, wait a minute. You just had surgery. Yeah, they told me not to run, so I'm riding my bike. <laughs> They don't give up. They never quit. Just before Japan, Tiger called me and told me, I've been doing this and this and this and this and this. Didn't he just have knee surgery? He goes, yeah, but I'm I'm hitting five irons and I'm hitting it great and blah, blah, blah. They are willing to outwork the next guy. And, you know, if Tiger did anything wrong in his career, he overworked. Right. He ran down the street too much instead of on a treadmill or he lifted too many weights or it wasn't Nick Faldo. Nick Faldo got too strong before anybody was getting. Remember, he went up two coats. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't want to work. You know, they will outwork you for sure. And that's the thing. It's just a discipline to do it over and over. I remember Jack telling our Ryder Cup team, you know, that he would go to the Masters the week before and play three or four practice rounds and then go home. He'd probably go home and watch the kids play football or something and come back on Monday and he was ready to go. Right. Everybody else was panicking. You mm-hmm. know? Jack was willing to make an extra trip, play extra rounds, and get ready for the major championships. And you watch Phil over his long career. What did Phil do for majors? He showed up weeks or months before and played more practice rounds than anybody else. And he was more successful at majors than I did it some, but I didn't do it enough, apparently, because <laughs> Phil got me a lot. <laughs> and that's the thing is just that discipline to keep doing it over and over and over again. So you get good at it. I want to talk a little bit about instruction. So I've heard tons of stories. You know, my way up, I was lucky to be mentored by some great older instructors. Came up in the Golf Digest days. I heard tons of stories about your dad. Talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about some of your dad was your first golf instructor, obviously. 
and uh, talk about some of the lessons that he taught you, because I think they're timeless, some of the things that I've heard. And uh, I wish at times I wish instruction was more like that today. Yeah, well, he was lucky um, that or smart that he ended up at the University of Texas playing for Harvey Penick before Harvey Penick was, you know, a legend. You know, obviously he had had success at the University of Texas, but my dad, you know, played there before Ben Crenshaw and before Tom mm-hmm. Kite. So he got not only great coaching when he was on the team there, but he got a lesson in what it meant to be a golf professional and a golf instructor, not only the to honor the game and carry on the traditions of the game, but how to teach. And so when my dad, you know, realized he wasn't going to be a tour player, you know, he, he sought Harvey out more and more about learning how to teach. So my dad taught really, really simple stuff. You know, he, he fixed your game by finding one thing in your swing that would fix all your problems. And one of the smartest things he ever did with me when I got to be, you know, pretty good is he said, all right, I'm going to get a vote and you're going to get a vote. And then your body your feel is going to get a vote. So if I tell you to do something and it doesn't feel right and you don't like it, then we're going to figure out a different way to do it. He never said, this is how we're going to swing the golf club and you do it until you know your hands bleed. He would figure out a way to make it work. I think that's what made him a great teacher. He'd watch somebody swing and figure out one little thing that would fix all the problems. And, you know, talking about CBS, I'm not going to be Peter Costas on Swing Vision and break down a swing and tell you how to fix it. Now, I can tell you what's wrong with it. That guy's across the line, but I don't know why, you know? Right. My dad could say, and you can too, you say, well, he's across the line because of, because of his grip. And we can get him to fix his grip without messing him up. That's awesome. I think it was last year I went out and I spent a few days just, I wanted to shadow Butch. I'd always been a fan and wanted to spend a couple days doing it. And I got a chance to go out there. And that was one of the things he said was, you know, he was talking to a group of amateurs and they said, you know, his job was to try to find the one thing that fixed everything. So all you had to do was try to do one thing. And I think that's the mark of a great teacher, though, is a person that you leave with like one thing you're trying to do and you don't have 20 thoughts going on, 20 things you're trying to fix. So you, now you're wearing a bunch of different hats. You've been a golf course architect for a while. In fact, there's one just down the road from us in Mississippi, Shell Landing, that I've played a good bit over the years. But uh, uh, you just redid the plantation course there at Sea Island where the RSM is going to be held in a couple weeks. Talk a little bit about, one, what you think about being an arch- architect. You know, What does that do for you? And, and talk a little bit about the plantation course because, I mean, I haven't been out there yet. going to be out there in a few weeks, but the reviews are fantastic. Yeah, we uh, we have a tough review board down there. <laughs> Not only are the the ladies all know me, unfortunately, in the ladies groups, but they won't <laughs> tell me if they don't like it. Fortunately, they're pretty happy. And then we have a bunch of tour pros there, you know, from regular tour, corn fairy tour, uh, one champions tour down there, and um, a bunch of kids. You know, you know the game down there. Oh yeah, it's just incredible how many great players we have there. So yeah, the reviews from from everybody have been pretty good, but um. I got into the architecture, again, because of my dad. He had a, uh, a friend named Bob Spence that was um, kind of legendary in the teaching and then in the golf course construction business. And Bob got us into it. And unfortunately, we lost Bob a year ago. Um, he hadn't been working for us for the last four or five years because he got sick. But we just got into it because, it's again, part of the family business. My dad was interested in it when we were kids. and Mark and I love just being around the game, and the design is just so much fun to 
to get out there and create something. And there's kind of no right or wrong. It's like art. You might like one artist, I might like another. I like one architect, you like another. We're fans of the old school stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff we build is um, you know, paying tribute to Donald Ross or Tallahassee. Or, um, the one we just did at Sea Island is more of a C.B. McDonald or Seth Rayner look. And all the tour players ask me, what's Plantation like? How did it come out? Yeah. You like Greenbrier when we play up there? And they go, yeah, we love that. I go, good. <laughs> You'll be happy. <laughs> nobody, nobody says they don't like Greenbrier, you know, or nobody says, I don't like National Golf Links or I don't like Eamon's Hall in, in South Carolina. So that's kind of the style that we built. So it looks like it's been at Sea Island for a long time. Um, it doesn't look like a new modern course and, um, when you drive in that big avenue of the Oaks up to the lodge, mm-hmm. the golf on both sides, it, it looks like it's been there a long time. A little bit of a tribute to Pete Dye, a little bit with some lay down railroad tie walls and, and railroad, tie te- railroad tie treatments like you saw on the, the new driving range or, uh, around the new putting course that opened last year. Pete was great to me as a up and coming tour pro and then also as an architect, again, another friend of my dad's and, my favorite story about being a golf course architect was Pete and I were standing at the Hilton Head Airport one year after the tournament. He said, so you're an architect now, huh? But, uh, sir. <laughs> he goes, no, you're not a golf course architect. He goes, until you get on the equipment and you build it yourself, you're not a golf course architect. So I was told that story so many times that people say, well, there's not very many golf course architects. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Davis, great stuff. I know you wear a lot of hats and you're busy, but uh, what, thanks for sitting and doing this. And also thanks for taking the time when I've had some kids down there to spend some time with them. It means a lot to them. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll look forward to hanging out with you a little bit, I'm sure, down the road over there and during the RSN. Yeah, we're glad to have you on the island and um, see you during the RSN. Keep bringing those young kids out. We'll do it. old guys out of the way. All right. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. Thanks, yeah. David. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, 
the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors. Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dewsweepersgolf.com, or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dewsweeper.